You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast with Dr. Christina Madison. Dr. Madison's mission is focused on spreading knowledge about public health to create better communities. The Public Health Pharmacist is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast, now part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thank you guys for joining me today. I have another extraordinary guest with me, Dr. Richard Harris, and I could not be more thrilled uh, to have him as a guest, uh, as an also a fellow uh, podcast host, um, entrepreneur, and just healthcare advocate extraordinaire. So welcome, Dr. Harris. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Christine. And, and please call me Richard. And you have a wonderful voice for podcasting. It's so soothing and calming. I feel very zen right now. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for saying that. That's that's really funny. Um, uh, I, I've been doing quite a bit of media, obviously, around uh, the pandemic. And, and that's one of the things that I often hear is that, you know, when people see me on TV or if they, you know, hear me being interviewed, they say that it's very calming and uh, it's been very helpful with, you know, kind of disseminating information. So thank you. I really appreciate that compliment. You're welcome. All right, so let's dive right into it. So for those of you guys who don't know who Richard is, uh, we were just talking about this. He's he's definitely what I would consider to be a unicorn. Uh, he is not only a physician, but he was also a pharmacist prior to going to medical school. So uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and um, you know what inspired you to be on this sort of holistic approach to medicine and and how you're helping your patients. Sure. So my holistic approach started back in college. I remember clearly, never forget this day, we were in our genetics class and the genetics homework was, hey, talk to your parents and your grandparents if they're still alive and ask them what medical conditions you have because we were talking about the uh, hereditary influence of certain genes and in, in the influence disease. And so I said, okay, you know, this is something I've never talked to my parents about or grandparents about. Let me ask them. And I asked my parents, you know, what medical conditions they have. I asked my grandparents and I looked down at the tree and said, oh my God, we have diabetes, high blood pressure, strokes, heart attacks, cancer, anxiety, depression, substance abuse, autoimmune disease, thyroid disease. And it just blew my mind looking at all this. And I said, I need to do something about this. If I don't do something about this, this is the path that I'm going to head. And that's really what got me interested in health. I ended up in pharmacy school by accident. I worked in the dean of pharmacy's lab and I didn't know what I wanted to do. He basically said, I think you'd be a good pharmacist. Why don't you apply? Had no idea what a pharmacist did or anything about the job. Got into pharmacy school realized my first year of pharmacy school, I wanted to go to medical school. But I love what I was learning. I love physiology. I loved the study of medications and all the different effects that they can have. And I realized that, huh, if I combine this with 
the knowledge that a doctor has and MD has, that's going to be such a really powerful combination. And I'll be able to do some really cool stuff. And unstoppable, that, right? Just completely unstoppable <laughs> with that kind much. of knowledge. Yeah, it was it was great. It, it made medical school really easy for me because I had the background knowledge. And then I came out as an intern already functioning at the level of a senior resident because of, of my background. And so that afforded me a lot of really cool opportunities to study things. And I had a lot of trust in my residency program. And I, I spent a lot of time studying during residency on natural therapies, vitamins, minerals, all this type of stuff, because I knew as a pharmacist, I was seeing people on 12 to 16 medications and they were miserable. And I said, the problem is not that we don't have enough medicine. The problem is we have too much medicine and we're not utilizing other avenues. And that's really what started me on this journey and how I ended up now being such a strong advocate for lifestyle medicine, behavioral change, mindset, and just holistic therapy in general. No, that's amazing. I think oftentimes uh, as pharmacists in general, and, you know, I, I, I really... Uh, you know, resonate with what you're saying, because as a pharmacist that works primarily in prevention, because that's really what public health is, it's all around preventative health and preventative medicine. It, it, it pains me when I see these patients on, you know, 16, 17 medications and sort of this concept of de-prescribing where it's like you come in and, and these people, you know, they have a handful of meds and then they have a hospitalization and then they get more meds and then they forget about the old meds and then they keep them and not knowing whether or not they're going to need them again. And it's just this vicious cycle where they don't know what they should keep and what they should get rid of. And then, you know, there's a little bit of hoarding happening there. And then obviously, uh, you know, there's medications that are for side effects from other medications. And so it just becomes this, you know, this whole, um, you know, vicious cycle of people, uh, you know, being on medications and still not feeling well. And I think that's the number one thing that I've understood from this process of kind of going down this preventative care route is that despite the fact that we are obviously over medicating people, these people still don't feel well. So what are we doing wrong that we are medicating these people and they still don't feel good? So we've got to go back to the basics. We got to go back to what is the underlying cause? You know, what is really, um, you know, the driving force behind, you know, what these illnesses are. And oftentimes it's lack of good food, good, clean food, um, healthy environment, right? So we've got climate change impacting people's environments, their ability to have, uh, you know, healthy air, clean water, all of these things go into and impact whether or not somebody has a healthy uh, life and a good quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, that's a, such a key point. And it's something that's not really taught to you in medical school. You don't really look at the socioeconomic and environmental and structural factors. We're taught in medical school that medicine is literally medicine and surgery. But we know that there's tons and tons of epidemiological data that shows that there's so much more than that. Like the biggest factor in your health is what zip code you live in. And that just shows you how important all the other elements around this are to our health. In fact, there's data that shows not only is your socioeconomic status impacting your health, but the socioeconomic status of your block impacts your health. And this is stuff that we're not taught in medical school 
And because we're not taught these things, physicians don't address these things. And because they're not addressed, then we're not really getting down to the root cause of the problem. And the quickest, easiest thing for us to do is throw medication on there. You know, you and I are pharmacists. We know that medications are smart bombs. They do one specific thing if they're yeah. good medication, right? If they're a good medication, they'll hit their target. They're a smart bomb. You know, some of the medications aren't that great and they're kind of dirty and they bind to a whole bunch of different things and cause a whole bunch of issues. But how do I know that that one specific target that I'm smart bombing is actually your problem? All diabetes is not the same. All cancer is not the same. All hypertension is not the same. Your root cause may be different than somebody else's root cause, even though it manifests as the same disease state. But once you start peeling down the layers, it's not really the same disease. And it's a unique cause for every person. And that's the problem with just layering on more medication, because you're hoping that one of these meds is going to hit the underlying problem. And they may do so. For somebody, it may, you put them on the right med out the gate and it works phenomenal and that's all they need. But then there's a whole bunch of other people who are on three or four medications for the same indication. Obviously, we're not getting to the underlying cause if you're on three to four medications for the same indication. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. You know, this this issue around population health and epidemiologic health, right? Because understanding the population, understanding trends, um, understanding, you know, what the impact of, you know, some of those environmental factors are on individuals' health, I think is is really, really key and really important. And um, it isn't something that we're taught in pharmacy school, and it's definitely not something we're taught um, at, you know, from a medical school standpoint. So the very beginning of my career, I, I actually taught for a DO program, and I was really um, shocked at, at how much they talked about the holistic approach and, uh, you know, the, the principles around osteo, um, osteopathic medicine. And I was really uh, encouraged by that. But then in the same vein, they were still asking them to learn under that same traditional, you know, medical system. And I think that Unfortunately, once they went and took all their, you know, USMLE testing and everything, because um, they take all the same tests, it's like all of that was kind of wiped away um, because they're still making them fit into this medical education model that doesn't prioritize understanding, you know, root causes and understanding um, the whole patient and not just treating, you know, every little individual symptom and, you know, sort of this concept that there's a pill for every ill, right? And and I think that that's, um, you know, really amazing that you've, you've seen that and, you know, you took sort of your own personal, uh, you know, knowledge and approach for your own family tree and looked at that and said, hey, you know, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something more. So um, I, I really, uh, you know, appreciate that. And it definitely resonates with me as well. Um, I'm one of those crazy pharmacists that doesn't like to give medication. So sounds like you're one of those physicians that doesn't like to give medication either. Absolutely. I love the physiology behind how medications work. It's fascinating to me, but it's not the first thing I choose. And you brought up an excellent point that a lot of people miss. And that is medications work quote unquote work on the macro level, meaning these studies look at thousands and thousands of people, right? And let's just say something has an absolute risk reduction of 9%, which is 
what you see with some of these big billion dollar blockbuster drugs. Well, that means if I have an absolute risk reduction of 9%, that means there's 91% of people who take that medication who are going to see absolutely no benefit. And so if I'm sitting in my office talking to someone and I tell you, hey, you know, there's only a 9% chance this is going to help you. There's a 91% chance this is going to do nothing for you. You're going to look at me like I'm crazy and say, doc, do something for me that's going to help me. But then if I'm treating 100 million people and I can save 9 million people, I'm absolutely going to do that. That makes sense when you look at it at that level. It doesn't make sense when you look at it at the level of the individual. And so we have to be able to separate that out and really look at people like their individuals, address the root cause and solve the issue as opposed to just medicating and hoping that they're one of those 9% that it's going to help. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you're basically throwing a dirty bomb at it and hoping for the best. Right. Um, so I, I wow. Uh, it's so interesting. I, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective, but you know, it's really all about looking at the evidence-based medicine and trusting the data and trusting the science and, and knowing that not every medication is going to work for every patient. And, and with that being said, understanding when it's okay to change. Right. So I think there's also this kind of thought process, too, because I work with a lot of, um, you know, patients with HIV that they they're like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. And sort of this concept that if you're undetectable, it should be fine. Right. Like no need to change your medication, even though it's probably predisposing you to things like osteoporosis, osteopenia, cardiovascular disease and all these other metabolic disorders. But you're you're undetectable. So you're good to go. Right. Like that whole concept of just like not looking at how can you change? How can we put you on something that's better for your long term health and benefit and not just looking at the duration of how much I can improve or um, increase your quality of life um, on top of just how long I can help you to live, right? So it's, and I think about this too, with access to care, it's not just access to care, it's access to quality care. That's the piece I think we're missing. Yeah, absolutely. And as we advance, we are getting more and more to that age of precision medicine and personalized medicine with things like pharmacogenetics. You know, I'm not on any meds, but I already ran my my PGX information just in case I have to go on meds one day. I have that information available with all the root cause analysis, GI mapping and hormone mapping and micronutrient evaluation, toxins, uh, mycotoxins. I mean, we can check for so many different things now to really pin down what that root cause is. And then target therapy to it. There's a misconception in holistic medicine that we don't use medicine, but you look at a lot of the protocols and they may involve prescription drugs to treat these conditions because the prescription drugs may be the most effective way to do it. And in certain scenarios and other scenarios, they may not be. But I think that's a classic misconception that all of us holistic docs are completely anti-med and we're not, we're the right med for the right person at the right time. I love that. Right drug, right time. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And also when, when you have gotten to your goal, you no longer need that medication. That's the other thing too, being okay with taking meds away. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing that oftentimes um, providers struggle with as well is sort of, oh, well, you know, the patient's doing okay. Like, I don't want to take anything away. Well, what benefit is it giving? Right. 
if, if, if there's no additional benefit, then why just keep it on if it's not harming them? You know, at this point, we should be, again, going back to that quality factor. You know, we should only be doing things that improve people's quality of life and their overall health and wellness. Absolutely. And that requires a fundamental reevaluation of how we evaluate risk. You know, one of the things that we do as physicians is say, do no harm. But I didn't really think about it until I read uh, Black Swan by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. And that fundamentally changed the way I think about risk. And if you are afraid to rock the boat in that situation where a person is not benefiting from what you're, the therapy, they've outgrown it or they've changed their lifestyle or, or what it is, now you're just exposing them to all downside. The upside is gone. You're exposing them to the downside. You're doing that person harm by leaving them on that medication because you're af afraid or don't want to make a change. And so we need to really think about what we're doing and think about the upsides and the downsides and then have honest conversations with people about the risks and the risk of continuing on one course versus another course and really letting people make informed decisions. Because I'll tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, do you want the holistic route or do you want the medica uh, medication route? Which route do you want? And I'll inform them of the choices. And it's up to the person to make the right choice for, for their own body, for their family. But it's up to us to inform them of all their choices. Absolutely. I'm wondering, do you um, struggle anytime with some of your patients that feel like if they come to the doctor's office or they come and see you, um, or you providing, you're providing them with care and somehow if they leave without a medication that they somehow feel cheated or they feel like somehow they didn't get good, you know, good medical advice. I think sometimes I have patients that struggle with this and I'm just curious of with your holistic approach, if you're seeing, if you're seeing that happen as well, that patients are not satisfied because they didn't leave with the medication. Yeah, it's, we've gotten to the point where We've conditioned people, you go to the doctor, you get a drug. That's what people think. And it may not even be what they want. And they'll ask you for a medication, but they don't even really want a medication. So when you drill down and ask, what do you really want? Most of the time they tell me, well, how do I do this without medication? They want something. And we're so conditioned to give medication because it's quick and it's easy. And as physicians, I think one of the things that we need to change is we need to be okay not being saviors. And what I mean by that is we need to be okay referring people to other specialists to help. I think the system works best when physicians are diagnosticians and come up with a plan, like, like a CEO. And then you have people underneath you, and I don't like to use that term because, you know, no healthcare providers underneath any other healthcare provider. Me as it's a physician. A team. Is, We're all part of a team. team. You have a We're team. We're part of a team. You have a partner. Yep. Exactly. I mean, the MAs, the MPs, everybody, we all have skill sets. We all have a role to play. It's just like, you know, if the janitor is missing from your company for a day, you notice If the CEO is missing for a day. You don't notice. We, we all have a role to play. And I think that physicians need to be okay accepting that they're not the end-all be-all when it comes to this person's medical care. We need to refer people out to trainers. We need mindset coaches, behavioral coaches, wellness coaches, all of these people. We all need to work together for the benefit of that person. And I think sometimes that might actually be a pharmacist as well, because we have pharmacy entrepreneurs that do things like you know, 
training and uh, mindset coaching and health and wellness coaching. And I think that that's great because it's kind of a, you know, uh, you know, the benefit of two worlds, right? So you've got the, the medical side and the, you know, the pharmacist side that they actually understand you know, the pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics of the medications, but then they also understand the physiology and the benefits of exercise and wellness and mindset and, and, and understanding that people uh, need to change their lifestyle, right? It's not just about here, I'm going to give you a pill and I'm going to cure you. You have to change your lifestyle and you have to change your habits. And um, I don't know if you've read the the book about the power of habits, um, but yeah, I mean, it's on all of the, our, all of our lists, but I mean, mm-hmm. just understanding sort of some of the things in there and, and some of the stories that he told. I mean, I think one of the biggest one that uh, stuck out to me, it was about, um, uh, about um, Phelps, um, Michael Phelps and his journey and how everything that could have gone wrong went wrong the day that he won the gold medal. But because he was so practiced and so rehearsed, it didn't matter because it was like it, you know, he, he just kept going. Like he couldn't even see out of his goggles when he touched the wall and he hit a, a, a world record. So I think that's another thing too, is talking about people about mindset was as it relates to their health and wellness and understanding that things are not going to change for them unless they actually make a meaningful and sustained change in their lifestyle. And um, I think that's a big part of the whole holistic medicine approach. And I love the fact that you talk with your patients about that and, and even thinking about prescribing things like a personal trainer. I think that's amazing, right? The other part of this too, and, and because I deal with vulnerable populations is actually looking at um, what type of access to food people have, right? And so obviously with the pandemic, we've had so many issues around people having challenges with both food and housing insecurity and how that directly impacts people's health. Because I think if you don't know where your next meal is gonna come from and you don't know where you're gonna lay your head at night, how are you gonna make good decisions about your medication and your adherence? Yeah, you bring up some really great points here. I think number one, the habits. So if you burn out your car's oil because you're driving 100 miles per hour everywhere you go and go get your oil refilled and then go drive 100 miles per hour everywhere you go, your oil is going to burn out again just as fast because you didn't change your habits. So if someone tells me, hey, you're driving too fast, you need to slow down or your tires are going to wear out faster than you think. And if your tires wear out faster than you think, you're going to put yourself in a situation where you're going to crash. It's the same thing with our bodies. Yes, the medication is there. The hopeful the medication is it stems the tide to give you enough time to correct the underlying issue. I think that's a key concept. And that's something that we need to do as prescribers is have a de-escalation plan. You know, we have an escalation plan, most of us in our mind, but we don't have a de-escalation plan. I think that's very important, a plan to get people off medication. The second thing that you brought up is pharmacist utilization. And I think it is absolutely criminal that pharmacists in most states are relegated to dispensing duties. Absolutely criminal because of the knowledge base. Pharmacy school prepared me to be a better leader than medical school. It was harder than medical school. Sorry, all the docs listening out here. Pharmacy school was harder. It was. It was the hardest four years of education that I've had. And I have an MD, a PharmD, and an MBA. I've been through a lot of school. Amen. Right. (laughs) Pharmacy school was hard. The hardest class I ever took was pharmacokinetics. That class was hard. 
and I've taken engineering physics, I've taken engineering math, pharmacokinetics was hard. So there's no discussion with me about that, which one was harder. But pharmacists are so prepared to step in and help with this health crisis because of the leadership, because we understand physiology, because we understand the holistic approach. Pharmacists think about everything from head to toe. It's just how we're taught in pharmacy school, whereas in medical school, we're taught to think in isolated systems. And we know that isolated system approach does not work anymore, because if you're only concerned about the heart, you're going to do something that may be good for the heart, but kills the liver. Is a person really better off in that situation? Absolutely not. And all these organs are connected. If I do something that inflames your gut, it's going to inflame your brain and your heart and your liver and your kidneys. But we don't think about that in medicine, but pharmacists do because that's the way that we're taught. And I think that one of the best things that we can do to solve this health crisis is elevate farm, not even elevate, just allow pharmacists to practice at the top of their license because you don't need to elevate pharmacists. I, I correct people when I hear them say that you just need to let pharmacists do what they're trained to do, which is be providers, which is assist with medication, which is assist with lifestyle, assist with mindset, be community leaders. That's what we need. And we have this whole population of, I think it's what, 300 and something thousand pharmacists in this country. Yeah. That's yeah. 300,000 qualified providers healthcare workers, that are not providers being that are, are criminally underutilized at a time when we're looking at a physician shortage of up to 130,000 physicians by 2030, half of which are in primary care. So I see a huge problem and I see a great solution. And I'm hoping that all the pharmacists listening out here know that you are more than just a dispenser. You are an invaluable source of information, a trusted source, a healer and a provider. And the winds are changing to allow you to do what you were born to do. And I'm so happy that I get to participate in that and show people that pharmacists have value and a lot of the skills that I learned in being a holistic provider, I learned as a pharmacist, not as a, as a medical doctor. Well, thank you so much for that. And I'm sure that there are a lot of pharmacists out there that are applauding you and, and hoping that, you know, that, that this is going to be sustained. I think the pandemic has definitely opened up a lot of opportunities for us and has shown that we are an under, underutilized portion of the healthcare system. And, and I mean, obviously, you know, just looking at the fact that, you know, the back of the, you know, the, the vaccine effort has been almost entirely placed upon pharmacists and the retail pharmacy sector. And so, um, again, I'm very hopeful that this will, uh, as you said, spawn, we're at the time of a, a, a dawn of a new age. Uh, but, I don't know. We will see. I, I don't know if it's going to end with COVID. Um, I hope it doesn't. I hope that this really uh, underscores how we can utilize uh, pharmacists in, in public health roles um, and, and help in providing optimal patient care. Because again, it's, you know, you do the diagnosing, but if I have a known diagnosis and somebody is on, uh, you know, multiple medications because they have a disease state that's medication intensive, let me manage them. Let me help them. Right. And then utilizing things like PGX, right, where you can uh, do that precision medicine and really customize an individual's uh, medication therapy so that their medications are working more for them versus them working 
towards their medication, which I think is what we're doing right now. You know, a lot of times people have financial challenges around their medications, but are we really assessing, do they actually really need this medication or do they need a personal trainer, right? So what's your ROI? What's your return on investment? And if your quality of life is not better, even though I've given you these medications, we need to reassess. That's an excellent way to think about it. And that goes back to the lingo that I use around it as well. I say to people, okay, what's your plan for your house? And people will be able to rattle off a plan. Oh, I want to make this improvement, this, I'm going to sell it this time. You know, they can tell you for minutes about what they're going to do with their house. I'd say, okay, what's your plan with your job? Okay, I, I want this by this. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. They have a plan. I say, okay, what's your plan for your kids? Well, I want my kids to experience this, that, whatever. They've got a plan. And then I'll stop. A, what's your wellness plan? Crickets. And I say, how do you have a plan for everything else? What's your investment strategy? Most people have an investment strategy, even if it's as simple as putting money in a 401k. That's still an investment strategy. And then I'm like, why don't we have the same with the one thing that we can't get back? You can't get back your body. We're not at that point in time yet where, you know, like, uh, what was the show? Altered Carbon, where you put the stack in another body and it's all your memories. Like, we, we can't do that. You cannot get back your body. You can get another house. You can get another job. You know, you can, if you make a bad investment, you can rebound and make a good investment. But if you treat your body inappropriately, don't do the things to maintain it, that damage can be permanent and it accrues over time. I always like to use the example of heart attacks. Most people think that heart attacks just come out of nowhere. They just wake up one day and have a heart attack. But nope. on average, that damage has been accruing for 15 years before you have the heart attack. Diabetes, damage has been accruing for years before you have a diabetes-related event. Hypertension, most people have hypertension for years before they have a stroke. You know, And so it's having that wellness plan a action plan for how I'm going to take care of my body. And I think that this is a conversation we need to have with people to start emphasizing that this is something that we need to think about. Because if you don't think about it, if you don't have a wellness plan, you're just going to react. And human beings make horrible decisions when we react. We make pretty good decisions when we plan. We make horrible decisions when we react. Because we're going to just react to whatever is in our environment and we lower our order of thinking to the reptile brain, which is going to be things that are pleasurable and things for survival. But yeah. if we sit there and think and we game plan ahead of time, then we're going to stick to that higher level thinking and say, is this something that's going to get me closer to my plan or further away from my plan? I've had clients who literally go to the store pick up something, look at it, look at the label and say, does this get me closer to my goal or further away from my goal? And they'll say it out loud. And that helped them tremendously because now they had a plan that they were adhering to. Yeah, that verbalization, I think is super important. And then, you know, really just thinking about, you know, let's make a hashtag trending, you know, invest in wellness. That's what we need to do. And people need to understand that they need to invest in their wellness, just like they invest in their car and their house and their job and their professional development. None of those things matter if your health is poor. 
So I, I couldn't agree with you more. And this has just been so enlightening. Um, I will definitely need to have you come back because I could literally talk to you for hours. Um, you are such an inspiration and I just, I cannot thank you enough for all that you're doing um, for medicine. And then also for the advocacy work that you're doing just around um, bringing more attention to wellness and mindset and holistic approaches and just being a pillar of the community. And as a fellow healthcare professional of color, I know that that you are inspiring many. So thank you so much for your time. And um, so for those of, uh, of my listeners that are not as familiar with you, how can people find you and reach out to you and follow you online? Yeah, absolutely. I, I thank you so much for having me, Christina. And it's funny because we had an outline, did not follow it at all. And that just shows <laughs> you how great of a host you are and how gracious I am to you having you on this show. It is a skill to be able to freestyle an entire conversation for a podcast. And so thank you for your talent and your time and your dedication to your craft. If you want to follow me, I'm everywhere. Um, my podcast is called the Strive for Great Health Podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts on Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest. I'm at Dr. Harris MD. That's Dr. Harris MD. And then on Facebook, you can find my information at Strive for Great Health podcast. I have a group and a page with that name as well. Fantastic. So I, this is definitely someone that I would say, give a follow, um, give a like, um, and someone you can trust. Uh, it's someone who I've been personally following, um, your journey. Uh, and again, you continue to inspire. So thank you so much again for your time. And I look forward to having you back on the podcast sometime soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Time is our most precious asset. And we thank you for spending your time with us and Dr. Madison, the public health pharmacist. Learn more at thepublichealthpharmacist.com.